was doing I'm not doing right now. No, you're doing fine okay. now. Yeah, I, I, because I'm used to being on stage and being a loud, obnoxious bitch. Mm-hmm. So I'm always shrieking into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> It's just that uh, I I really am, I think, probably an obnoxious person. I mean, professionally. Professionally, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like, I mean, in my personal life it's a also, skill. but <laughs> yeah, it's, like- <laughs> it's a skill. I put it on my resume. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another mini-sode of my spooky gay family. We are very excited to be here. It is the first episode we are recording in the new year. Yes, it is. And uh, did, how is 2020 going for you so far, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, day one was fine. Day two was good. Up until kind of... The end of it. The end of it. <laughs> you mean when we when we started to find out that there was possible looming bad news <laughs> in American history? Uh, I he, can't even like it's. Just, I know. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go into a conversation about it because hours. like I can't even. Like, it's like I don't even want to discuss it because it's so. Uh, it's so. Obs- like, I'm like I don't want to think about the fact that I work in New York four days a week. I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to renew my Xanax prescription for the. <laughs> for real, you know, I haven't flown in a while, so I haven't gotten Xanax in a while. But I think it's time for me to go back to the doctor and be like, "Hey, guess what? I'm a basket of nerves." <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Thanks. Literally yeah. every moment of my life. Yeah. So today, kids, uh, we are not talking about the situation in Iran. We are going to actually talk about something far more enjoyable. We are starting a new um, mini sode. Passed it. What? The bar was low, but we passed it. It was a very low bar. I like a low bar. I'm a short person. Um, I think today we are going to be starting a new uh, series part of the My Spooky Gay Family minisodes. What would you, what would you call it? A subset? A, uh, hmm. An ongoing uh, something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I just I feel like I'm having a stroke today. I cannot. I can't like put words. A series within a series. I feel I like know. Chris Tucker. I'm like, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Uh, and everyone's like, no, we no, we don't, busy Miles. We are starting something called movies that made us gay. Movies that made us gay. I want. I want to come up with. <laughs> Is that the theme music? I didn't know that we were we were pitching theme music for it. I feel like well, I if you've got prepared. one, now's the time. It's brainstorming. I wasn't prepared. If I had known, <laughs> I would have taken some time. Well, well, we'll take a break and you can come it's back fine. and let us know what your idea for the theme yeah, is. Yeah, the, the next time we do this, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, so today we are talking about <laughs> movies that made us gay on the My Spooky Gay Family mini-sodes. Because something that I was like a little bit sad about when we started this podcast, and I think you were too, is that like you and I love, love, love horror movies. Yes. But we also love 
a lot of other movies that we kind of like can't talk about in the main uh, the main subject matter <laughs> yeah, of this podcast. Yeah, kind of aren't really relevant. Yeah, it's side, like yeah. it's like the birdcage doesn't really fall under my spooky gay family. So no, no we're going to be talking about the movies from our lives and childhoods that uh, that turned us into big flaming homosexuals. Yes. Exactly. And we'll turn you as well if you want to go. Yes. If you're listening and you're not gay, uh, please be advised that by the end of this this episode, if you watch every movie we talk about in this little mini series that we're doing, you don't even really need to watch it. You just need to hear about it. And then you will be gay. (laughs) Tell tell the Westboro Baptist Church uh, they were right. (laughs) We're We're turning everyone gay. It's an agenda. I'm going to get a cease and desist letter from the Human Rights Campaign. I know. (laughs) We're kidding, (laughs) by the way. Um, So today we're talking about one of my favorite, like, gay but not gay movies. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's pretty gay. It's pretty gay. And there is gay subject matter in the movie. Yes. Historically relevant. Historically relevant. It is a period piece. It is. Um, and it is a little movie called Clue. Yes. That movie had such good music. It really did. And like, I think the soundtrack for that movie is. It's kind of like what we were talking about in Insidious, where it was like that movie managed to make the music kind of a character. Mm. Like the, hey, nani, ding, dong, alang, 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 shaboom, shaboom. It's played in such a fun way that like contrasts what's happening in the scenes that it it really becomes a character that you're like, you're like bopping along and you're like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be having fun right now. People are dead. And then... <laughs> This movie is in fact a comedy. It's not like it's oh, like yeah. it's not like you're watching like a serious murder mystery and then like you know Bill Haley and the comments comes on and it's like <laughs> oh right I'm having a good time. Hey Nani Ding Dong. Yeah. Um. So why don't we start with just a little bit about the movie for the one or two people listening to this who are not <laughs> familiar with it. Um, Clue is a movie that came out in 1985 yes. and it is starring a lot of like huge, huge names. We have Tim Curry, Mm -hmm. Madeline Kahn. uh, We have Christopher Lloyd. We have Um, Eileen Brennan, Michael McKean. Right? Did I say that right? Michael McKean. um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I fucked you up. No, that's okay. (laughs) I was was trying to go through the the list in my head. (laughs) Who, Who didn't I say? Hold on. Madeline Kahn. One. Eileen Brennan. Plus one. Christopher Lloyd. Plus two. (laughs) You're like, wait, I fucked you up. Let's do this again. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Did I say Michael McKeon? Not yet. Michael McKeon. uh, Leslie Ann Warren is the one I was forgetting before. All right, that's Miss Scarlett. Uh, Miss Scarlett. Who who, who else? Who else? Who am I I forgetting? I didn't say Tim Curry in this new one yet. You didn't say. You can look the cast list up on IMDb, but Sarah, what? Martin Mull. <laughs> Martin Mull, Colonel Mustard. Uh, who's the lady I'm forgetting? You're going to get said... a privacy screen to put between you. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You're like, you're like ah, I see. Um, yeah, a lot of huge, huge names in this movie. Like, real, like, movie stars. When, I, when you look back on it, this movie must have been reasonably expensive to make. Um, I'm honestly not sure like that. Like the budget was not something that I actually looked up when I was doing like the two seconds worth of like 
let's read all the weird trivia shit on IMDb about this movie. Yeah, um, I I did not do any research whatsoever. So I'm just kind of going to say I, mean, I have no idea what this movie cost to make. It's one of those things that I can't imagine that it had like a huge, huge budget. If nothing else, like this wasn't an especially popular genre of film at the time. And there is also the fact that this is the first movie ever that's based on a fucking board game. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> You mean they never made Stratego, the game? No, that hadn't happened yet. Um, or I'm sorry, the movie. Yeah, sorry, they did make the okay. game. Yeah. If you've never played Stratego, it was like one of our favorite games as a kid. And I, looking back on it, have no idea how to play that game as an adult. <laughs> I actually still play that game. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Who do you play with? I played with Sarah a couple times. I've played with Kevin once or twice. Like, it's not I like something play. I do all the Next time. Next time you're playing Stratego, I want to play. Can I play? Yeah, you can play. <laughs> I'm a sore loser, be forewarned. <laughs> you're like, yes, I've played Monopoly yes, with you. I've played um, many games with you. <laughs> heterosexual Jess and I are not very good at losing games. No, so usually when our family plays <laughs> Monopoly, we uh, incorporate when we're sinking and we become J&J Enterprises yeah. <laughs> and we just ruin the game. Flagrantly cheat. Yeah. But anyways, Clue. So uh, Clue uh, is a movie that is based on the board game Clue and it is about a bunch of people who come to a dinner party and are invited there because they are all being blackmailed and there is a murder and it is a murder mystery comedy and then there are more murders and there are more murders yes. <clears throat> it's not just mr body in this one where you can get a couple people and there were three more murders isn't that a line in the movie am i making that up I, I, I think that is a line. We now. were literally quoting this movie practically start to finish before, and now we can't remember like, what minute, the fucking on. lines are in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those movies, though, that, like, I quote so often in my day-to-day -day life that there are some things where I'm like, I'm not actually sure if this is in the film anymore. I just made it up. Or if this is some kind of weird Mandela effect where I'm absolutely sure that this is a line, and then when I watch it, I'm like, where the fuck is that line? <laughs> like, so, like, <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, it's because this movie is so quotable. This movie was immaculately written. Oh, yeah, no, the dialogue is incredibly funny. And the other thing about having such great, like, everyone in this cast, like, some of them are very, very big stars, but mostly what they are are very experienced character actors. Character actors and, and comedians. Like, and like, comedians. Like, when yeah. you look at Michael McKeon, he is a very accomplished uh, improvisational actor and and. He's I would I don't want to call him a comedian because he's not strictly a comedian. Yeah, but no, and he, it's not like really any of them did like a lot of stand up. It's more just like they they're comedy very good was definitely actors, their yeah. genre. Yeah. And like people like Christopher Lloyd and Michael McKeon and uh Madeline Kahn. Like you look at Madeline Kahn and she is so ultra famous for uh, her work in Mel Brooks movies. And Madeline Kahn is absolutely flawless. Like a flawless <laughs> human being. And it is an absolute tragedy that we lost her as young as she was. Um, and I also think that this is a testament to the writers of this movie. Like it was so well written. It was. And like, it's one of those things where you're not actually sure if you, how much credit you should give to the writing and how much credit you should give to the cast. Because like, there's so much about this movie that is like so hilarious that is not in the script kind of oh, yeah. like especially when you're you're watching like Madeline Kahn does physical comedy throughout <laughs> this whole movie like, like it's just incredible to watch like Martin Mull does it like like they're all just Eileen like Brennan the, 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 the timing is scene. so spot on <laughs> like, like like it's just 
There is Maybe nothing. she was poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible. No, like, it's, it's one of those things that like I think I've I have no idea how many times I've watched this movie. It's it's got to be in like the dozens of times and like oh yeah easily every single time no matter how recently i've watched it like i'm i'm gonna laugh at like the same like six places every single time mm-hmm. and probably a great deal more than that uh, easily easily and it is a testament to the performances of the actors but i do want to credit john landis and jonathan lynn who oh, are yeah, the no. writers of and this not- movie and jonathan lynn not only wrote the story he wrote the script as well and directed the movie. Yeah. Isn't and that like, like talk about like an accomplishment. I'm like, I, I'm like, I wrote a stage play and I performed it in two days. And then he's like, he's like, I wrote an iconic piece of film and I mean, directed it. This is another one of those things where like, I don't know if he thought of it as an accomplishment until relatively recently because this movie did absolutely terribly when it came out. I know like, it, it kind bombed. of, but that's how a lot of movies were in that time period because people were taking much bigger risks on on yeah. movies. And so like a lot of the movies that we love now were critical flops when they came out. Like Hocus Pocus yeah. flopped. Everybody hated Hocus Pocus. But that was also a little bit Disney's fault mm. because they released it in July. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, a Halloween movie didn't do well when it was released in July? How strange. <laughs> I just, I think it's so funny because, like, there's there's other movies that are like Clue. Like, we've talked about Murder by Death on here once or twice already, mm-hmm. like, or at least we've mentioned it. Like, there are other movies that are like this, but this one is just, it's every fucking, like, old house on the hill movie trope. And then this board game that everybody kind of plays and everybody kind of knows what it is. It's like, like, like it's, it's one of those things, like, I remember, like, I remember very distinctly, like, the first time Dad showed me this, like, I was very young. I want to say I was, like, six or seven. And which means that the film was six or seven years old. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> because Clue and I are the same age. But, um. I, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. But, um. 85. Yes. That's it. I'm 85. um, no you were born in 85 oh but um (laughs) it doesn't matter um (laughs) but like the first time he showed it to me like i remember thinking like at six or seven it's kind of dumb to make a movie off of a board game like that's kind of stupid (laughs) 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 which i'm sure had something to do with the movie bombing like like is i mean we have questioned over the years like there have been some questionable decisions made and what to adapt into a feature film Mm. you know battleship yeah Um. (laughs) i mean if i was gonna pick a board game that probably wouldn't have been my first choice i think sorry would have been a much better (laughs) (laughs) sorry mima yeah (laughs) Um, yeah the only thing i will say is that clue at least has like a cast of characters and yeah. some kind of storyline. There story are like people involved in. <laughs> yeah, it's not just like you sunk like, my it's battleship. A no, and like, it's one of those things that like I I never tried like even like the first or second time like while I was watching it to try to figure out what the mystery was like I never even bothered to try because you're so busy laughing at everything that you can't possibly keep track of shit. It almost makes it better I think because when you're watching like a thriller or a, a, a horror movie, you're so invested in the what's happening, where is it going? It yeah. almost makes you want to partake in it. Mm-hmm. And 
this movie does a really good job of throwing you off the sense of things because you're so distracted by the humor that you almost forget that it's a murder mystery. And the truly weird thing is when you go back and watch it afterwards, like after Wadsworth does his like 20 minute, like this is what happened and this is what happened and this yeah. is what happened. And it's like, it's like <laughs> but like after that whole bit, like you get to the end, it's like, oh shit. Every single bit of that made sense. He like, might as well have been like, walking around with a dagger. Like, like, <laughs> like, like crap, all of that. Like, like, this is a surprisingly cohesive mystery on top of everything else. You're just I never going to figure it out because you won't want to. You're not going to be bothered with it. And all of the clues are there. Madeline Kahn do the flames bit. Exactly. Like, <laughs> all of the clues are there in the movie as you're watching it. It's like, it is very clear that... Uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, <laughs> that that Wadsworth is the killer. Although, what's funny about it is that they're... To a point. Yeah. yeah, they're... Depending on which ending you're watching. It's a very creatively made movie because I have to think that if they released it that way... And what we're talking about is that when this movie was originally released in 1985, they released it with three different endings right. to the movie theaters. So, depending on which theater you went to or which day you went on ending there was a song. different ending to the movie yeah so um there was an ending where miss scarlet was the killer there was an ending where miss peacock was the killer and then there was the ending where wadsworth was the killer well where they were all the killer but wadsworth was mr. well body. yeah and yeah. and he was mr body yeah. um and so when you look back through the movie the way it works in the wadsworth one where they're all the killers yeah works yeah it works perfectly and it's like that's so fucked up. <laughs> I know. But it also works with the Scarlet is the killer. It also works with the... Scarlet um, being the killer is, I'm not going to lie, I think my favorite ending. Uh, <laughs> I I do really like it. Like, I can't... I wouldn't pick a favorite ending because I love them all for, like, They're all different great. Reasons. But I think the one that, like... The one that I always like watching the most is the Miss Scarlet ending, only mm. because of the one plus two plus one plus one bit. I mean, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> because I can just watch that over and over and over again. Even if you were right, that would be one plus, plus two, one plus two yeah, plus exactly. one, not one plus two plus one plus one. <laughs> one plus two plus two. Plus one. <laughs> Shut, Shut up! up. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> um, and that's what we mean when we say this movie is so quotable and props to Jonathan Lynn for writing so many funny this lines. It's like, when I tell you that there have been times in my life where I have been watching someone get confused about like counting stuff or like any kind of math problem and I'm just sitting there with bated breath like please just give me an opportunity the thing is like I do it with people who I'd have no fucking clue what I'm talking about I know I know and that's the problem I think because our family has such a shorthand when it comes to movies like this we could say any of those quotes and the other person would immediately cue in yeah I mean Bob and I have done this it, the same as you and I have done it yeah. in the past where it's like Bob will say the most obscure quote and mm. I will say the next line. Yeah. And it's it uh, our time. family is just very strange that way. We're, we're like. We also don't know math. I know. <laughs> I was, just, I was literally no, just about to be like. There's no room. We're like the Rain Man <laughs> family of movie quotes. Oh, God. Um, and I love that about movies like this, especially movies that were made in the 80s and 90s because they had this sensibility. The like Mel Brooks movies from the 80s and, and the 70s and uh, Clue, I think, fits kind of in that same category. And then you, you have know, movies like Hocus else, like, Pocus. There are, there are some jokes in Clue that I don't think you could necessarily get away with in a movie anymore. Like, like How do you mean? 
Um, like there's there are a couple of things that 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 are said in this that like wouldn't make sense to a modern audience. I don't think like the whole communism is a red herring thing is a very period joke. It's and, like, coming back into fashion. Though. It is, but like it's it's one of those things that like because the story is actually set in the fifties, like it's it's one of those things where like there are a lot of things in there that I think sort of the target audience for this film in nineteen eighty five would have immediately picked up on. Yeah, that like even me watching it, you know, the first couple times it was kind of like I don't understand this shit. Like I did not understand the communism is just a red herring joke. I think until I was like fifteen. Well, yeah, but, like, that's, to be, that's to be expected because we watched this movie when we were very young we were all like little kids but i think that that almost helped because having a dad also didn't get that scarlet was a madam until well (laughs) (laughs) i will say you know what delecto means well you know (laughs) you know we rip on dad or at least i do a lot on this podcast for a lot of different things but one thing i will give dad credit for is that he always trusted us to watch movies that were far more uh, advanced than we were able to pick up on. Yeah, I think he had a lot more faith in kind of the jokes that we shouldn't understand going over our heads. And, and a lot of would, them did. Like, and, and most of them did. Yeah. Like, I did not understand why it was funny that, like, Mr. Green tells everyone he's a homosexual and then sits down and then Christopher Lloyd stands up and walks, and walks away. away. Like, I yeah. did not understand why that was funny when I was little. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't... But, like... <laughs> and, but that's like... the thing. And, like, the but I think movies like this are really what shaped, at least for me, my sense of humor and made my sense of humor something that I now, like, make a living off of. Yeah, no, and I think it's just... It kind of created a in me sort of this taste for the that like that funny double entendre that funny mm-hmm. wordplay like that like really quick dialogue in a movie like i like stupid comedies like i'll i'll watch something like you know harold and kumar or pineapple mm-hmm. express and probably enjoy it but like nothing gets to me more than like a mel brooks movie same like like i i need that like fast banter like blink and you'll miss it word joke like yeah. that is my favorite kind of joke in a movie mine too and honestly <laughs> that's kind of the thing i love the most about a, a like brooksian movie yeah. is that you have that like really i mean he he makes references to like Russian literature yeah, like like Prince Mishkin <laughs> yes. but then in the same thing he's he's doing slapstick physical yeah. comedy I and didn't say that I had to stop her screaming <laughs> <laughs> like there's there's farcical humor kind of put in with this this really intelligent wordplay yeah. and that is something that honestly I get frustrated with as an adult because I feel like a lot of a lot of my friends now don't have that sensibility. And I'm like, where are the people who grew up with these movies who love this as much as I yeah, do? Yeah, and it's like, I can't be the only person who's like... <laughs> I know, I know. I feel that way a lot of the know. time. Like, it's, it's one of those things, like, I know we, we make jokes about being poorly supervised all the time and having, like, seen movies, like, way younger than we probably should have. And, like, Clue is honestly probably one of them. But, yeah, like, Absolutely. It's one of those things where it's like I, I feel like if you if you stick to like solely age appropriate fare, like as you're <laughs> raising a child, like, like it just doesn't 
I, I don't know. It's like, where the fuck is the fun in that? Like, I know that's probably terrible parenting advice. It's just like, well, that's no fun. But, like, <laughs> but there's a part of it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of it's kind of worth it sometimes to like give them something that's that's going to kind of challenge them and make them think about something mm. more than like, well, they're definitely going to understand this. It's like, I don't think kids necessarily should understand every joke in a movie you're telling them. That you're I telling agree. Them. And I, I think we see that a lot in um, like... Pixar movies yeah. to this day, or even like when you look at the old Disney movies. Yeah, the old Disney movies had a lot more kind of jokes that were in there for the parents in the theater. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> but like, um, what do you think it is about this movie that makes it such a like, like queer people love this movie? Why do you think queer people love this movie so much? I mean, I think some of it is it does actually sort of, as we alluded to a moment ago, kind of deal with some queer content mm. so to speak like there is <laughs> there is in two out of three of the endings of this film a gay man in this movie um <laughs> well he's gay in everyone because he comes out in the well, blackmail scene he's not though in the ending where everybody kills him because he's a he's a fbi guy the oh, last, that's right the last line of the movie is i'm gonna go, is, home, go home and, and sleep, sleep with, with my, my wife, wife. <laughs> but um the thing is like there's that. There's also the fact that I think that, like, the time period that it's showing, kind of the, like, sort of great Gatsby-ish aesthetics that's going on mm. in the in this movie is is very reminiscent of, like, there's, there's certain subsets of queer culture that kind of, like, really focus on kind of that, like, old Hollywood glamour. Like, this house is right in line with that. Like, yeah. the, the costumes the women are wearing. Like, there's a lot of, like... Grandiosity. There's a lot. There, there's a lot of grandiosity, and there's a lot of drama, and it's <coughs> it's also incredibly funny. Yeah, which is always a good thing. And like Eileen Brennan is essentially a drag queen in this, in this movie. <laughs> like Eileen Brennan is playing a drag queen because like, like Mrs. Peacock is just incredible and so over the top. And and like it's just there's so many things about this that kind of play to sort of the gay sense of camp. That I think yeah. that that has a lot to do with it as well. That was really what I was going to lean into because especially when this movie came out in the mid 80s, you were in the middle of one of the darkest periods of gay history, which is yeah. the AIDS epidemic. And so people were really leaning into dark humor yeah. because it was the only escape they had from literally their worlds falling apart. And that was something I've always really loved about queer culture is this kind of queer sensibility that's like that kind of we can humor. yeah we can yeah. laugh at anything because we've seen the worst of the worst and there's nothing that scares us and that's something i take great pride in it's something that's built a sense of community for me is the idea that like we have this kind of sophisticated double entendre uh, sense of humor, this very intellectual sense of humor that also has this base element to it. Well, even when you look at like sort of like you know the library is open, like the 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 reading challenges on RuPaul's mm -hmm. Drag Race and, and the history of drag reading, it's it's one of those things. Is like it's never about who can say the meanest thing; it's about who can say the meanest thing like the funniest, the way. funniest way. Yeah, like and 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 sort of the most the most cutting way yeah. <laughs> like it's like how can you kind of like make this not sound like a like an insult when it is yeah and it's like i i love that about sort of again that sort of specifically queer sense of humor it's that sort of like it's, Oscar Wilde. It, it's not it's not utilitarian it's an art if i'm gonna call you a cunt i'm gonna call you a cunt to your face in the meanest in the in way. the most vicious like, <laughs> hysterical way it's a high art form <laughs> but like <laughs> Yeah, I think that that's something that this movie achieves is that very, like, 
you're trying to make me look stupid in front of the other guests. Don't you don't need any help, help from, from me, me sir. sir. That's no, right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Peacock is a man. <laughs> we always get our man. <laughs> Mrs. Peacock is a man. Slap. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I think this movie is is really best known for for those elements. Yeah. And that is something that I really value also, so much about it. It's Tim Curry back in a big scary haunted mansion and this wasn't that long after Rocky Horror. It was so only 10 like, years later. Yes, yeah, so it's like It was only a decade. Like Tim Curry's like I think most famous role at this point was still probably Frankenfurter. <laughs> like like I don't know what really he was doing between then and here. Like, I can't think of, like, kind of what his filmography looked like between 75 and 85. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. I'm sure he played several villains. Yeah, because um, Tim Curry. And had he done, did he do Amadeus before or after Rocky Horror? I want to say it was after. I think it was after. I want to say he did a bunch more theater. Yeah, no, he did a lot of theater um, in between. And I believe Amadeus was among those And he's, he's those always shows. done a lot of theater. I can't... Yeah. Like, there's really no point in his career where he wasn't doing theater, too. Do you know he actually did um, a play out in California after he had his stroke? I did not know that. I didn't know it either. And I think now he's pretty much retired. But... Yeah, which um, is so sad. <laughs> good for him, but sad like, like, for I'm, us. I'm, I'm happy that he's getting the rest that he needs and, and like, all this other stuff. But, like, Tim, Tim Curry was, like, such such a major part of like both our childhoods that it's like, I no, know. not Tim Curry. <laughs> I know. Just like, he's like our Betty White. He's like, please don't go anywhere, Tim. Don't go anywhere. Um, and uh, I, I love Tim Curry probably more than like most people. I think Tim Curry and Nathan Lane are probably like my two top favorite actors in Hollywood. See, I think it's probably says something about me that like my answer probably would have been Tim Curry and Alan Rickman. Like, mm. like, like when you look at like the sort of like timeline of the careers kind of thing, it's like there's a reason I like the bad guys in movies, and it's because I love Tim Curry and Alan Rickman. <laughs> <But it's> like, <laughs> I do like Alan Rickman. Yeah. I, I certainly love him. I think he's a very talented actor. I have an affinity though, I think, for Tim Curry and Nathan Lane because they were part of that like that style of humor mm-hmm. that I really identified with it in my early childhood see it's one of those things like watching this movie like the the one that always gets me is like i have watched this movie through sometimes where i am looking at nobody but madeline Kahn. oh yeah like, <laughs> like oh yeah like she's just like it doesn't matter what's happening like she's in the background she's like barely involved in the scene and she's doing something hilarious like <laughs> even if it's just like like just her facial expression is just so perfect like she's just she's on all the fucking time i love like, the like, scene where she was screaming and then someone cuts it off yeah, and they're and like just, they say that and she's like ah <laughs> it's like she just like keeps screaming a little bit to herself <laughs> Madeline Kahn was just a national treasure. When, when she's falling up the stairs because Tim Curry is tracking her. Like she just falls and goes up like another three. And it's just like, it's just like how did you even do that? Like, but like, no, just every everything about her performance is perfect. Like, there's nobody in this cast that like, even for a second, it's like, okay, you, you kind of dropped the ball on the reaction on that one. Like, no, it is like every single one is just like every moment is perfect. Like They all did an impeccable job. And that's why I think the question that we have on the outline for this episode to close it is such an important question to answer the question we said was does this movie need a remake and in my mind i know that i'm a purist Mm -hmm. but especially with this movie i think the answer is no 
I don't think it needs a remake. I think that it could be interesting to kind of update because it is set in the 50s and it was Mm -hmm. a movie made in the 80s. I think it would be kind of interesting to kind of update the timing. Like, I think it could be interesting to do kind of. I wouldn't necessarily call it like be like in the 80s. Yeah, like I don't think necessarily like a shot for shot remake, but like. In kind of doing it to sort of update the technology, kind of update the the cultural references, things like, you know, we don't like every other jokes about McCarthy. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I feel like we could update it and it would probably be pretty cool. Like, I don't think it would ever hold a candle to the original, but I think it could be interesting. And that's what scares me is that, like, I don't see how this movie could be made better. And I get the, like, updating the references and things like that, but I think there's a part of me that worries that we'd end up with the... And no offense to her, because I actually like her. I I worry that we'd end up with, like, the Rebel Wilson version of this movie, which is, like, a bunch of modern comedians improvising and doing... Those like weird yeah. one-liners that don't really fit the story that we're seeing in a lot of contemporary comedy. And I just don't see it being a very tight script. And I think that's kind of where it what it comes down to is what you need for something like this is like this this can't be like a an SNL alumni like vehicle movie. Like this yeah. has to be like like I'm not saying you can't cast anyone who's been on SNL. But what what I'm saying is like what I would like to see is those same kind of level of character actors. Yeah, people who are accomplished in, yeah. character actors like, and who can actually <clears throat> elevate an already good script. Yeah, like I honestly like I would pay good money to see Jane Curtin in in a reboot of this. Like I think that mm. that could be interesting. Like I think that there are sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there 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 are a couple of people that I can think of that like could probably pull something off like this. I think the issue is we don't need it. Like, yeah, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. But if you're going to keep remaking movies, and we know you're going to, <laughs> yeah. Like, I think the goal should always be is like we're going to take this thing and we're going to update it a little bit, and do it with a new cast and kind of see how it goes. But like, I don't. I, I agree with you that what I would be, what I would would scare the shit out of me is seeing, like, Seth Rogen cast in this fucking movie. <laughs> I know. Because so, like, I was like, no, boycott, no, I'm out. It's I'm like, like, I want someone who's going to give me six fully fleshed out, completely different characters. Yeah. And I don't see a lot of that in Hollywood right now. I don't see a lot of character actors. I see a lot of personalities. Yeah. I think Melissa McCarthy is a good character actress, but... And I don't know if this is just because she's been typecast or if it's just Melissa McCarthy's style of acting. You know, it it all feels, they all feel a little bit similar. similar. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, who would I I put in this movie? I would love to see Emma Thompson in a movie like this. I think Emma Thompson could fucking kill this. Like, I I think Emma Thompson would do amazing. I think Emma Thompson would be great. Um, I can't really think of a lot of other... 
actors off the top of my head that I'd really want to see. Like, unless you're getting Meryl Streep, what are we What are we doing? <laughs> Which could be interesting, honestly. Like, I, I wouldn't be, be opposed to it. I could see, um, like, a Goldie I could Hawn. see, like, Helena Bonham Carter actually doing a good job with something like this. No. No? You don't think so? Okay, <laughs> I fine. was going to agree, and then I was like, eh, I don't know. I just feel like Helena Bonham Carter is like a Johnny Depp, where it's like she plays that one thing really well, and everyone goes, oh, she's a good actress. And then you put her in something else, and you're like, oh, it was just that one thing. I am going to disagree on this point, and this is mostly just because like, I think she does an amazing job in the new season of The Crown. I think she did an amazing job in The King's Speech. Like, She doesn't have mm. to be playing batshit crazy in every movie yeah. and to still be a very good actress, so I think she could pull it off. We could make her the cook. <laughs> Dinner will be ready at precisely eight o'clock. Um, you know who I actually—you can't, can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. Any time. <laughs> but look what happened to the cook. Um, you know who I think would actually be great in a remake of this movie? Who? Bette Midler. <laughs> Only if she's playing Mrs. Peacock. Mrs. Peacock as played by Bette Midler. That would be hilarious. sign me up. That I would watch. Fran Drescher. Fran Drescher. <laughs> you throw Fran Drescher in there. Why not? Yeah, I guess I'll give her a chance. I can't think of a single male actor, though. Although, you know what I will say? Um, Wadsworth, and feel free to disagree, mm -hmm. I actually could kind of see Robert Downey Jr. I think he could do it. Right? You know what? I honestly, I'm on board with that. I think he could pull that off. I I wasn't really thinking about it much, and then it, he kind of like popped into my head as an afterthought, and I was like, "Huh, actually, I think that would be interesting to see." I think <laughs> is it bad that as funny. long as we're doing Marvel movies, I'm kind of like, Chris Hemsworth could do Colonel Mustard. Like he could pull that off. Chris like, it'd, it'd be weird. <laughs> like it would be fucking weird, but I think it'd be kind of funny. Actually, I, yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> Uh, like he's he's proven himself to be good in with comedic timing. I think he yeah. could pull it off. Like I I don't know if he would be my first choice, but I think he could do. Yeah, it. maybe Steve Buscemi as uh hell yeah Steve Buscemi Steve as Buscemi is good as Professor Plum. Yes, Steve I could Buscemi, see absolutely. that. You know who might actually make an interesting <laughs> Wadsworth as too as well uh, as too as well <laughs> would be um uh Alec Baldwin. I feel like I would have a hard time with it, but only because of 30 Rock. I feel like really? I, I have a hard time. Between that and the Donald Trump thing on SNL, like I have a hard time looking at Alec Baldwin anymore. And it's like, <laughs> like I feel so like I would have such a hard time with it. He's like not like, like that at all. I know all. he's not like that at I all. I just It's one of those things that, you, you know, there are certain actors that when you look at them, it's just like it's impossible to divorce them from a character that they've played. I know. It's, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like I love Nick Offerman. I think Nick Offerman is, is hilarious. He could play Colonel Mustard Day. Mm. Megan Mullally should be in this movie. There is no question. Oh, she should be Mrs. White. Yes. Megan Mullally replaces Madeline Kahn in this uh, totally the old, hypothetical the only thing. Although I wonder if she'd do it after having played the Madeline Kahn character in Young Frankenstein, the musical. I think she would do, do it. Do you think she'd be worried about like being typecast? As Madeline Fuck Kahn? Fuck it. We could make John Roberts the <laughs> Mrs. White. <laughs> Mrs. White as played by Linda Belcher. <laughs> No, no, John Roberts is a vet. <laughs> I also drank the cognac. Mon Dieu. Mon Dieu? Yeah. Is that uh, how you say that? Mon Dieu? <laughs> I do a terrible John Roberts impression. I know. I'm not I'm not great at it either. No, but like but like I would I would I would like to think that considering how incredibly amazing Madeline Kahn is, like I 
I would think that Megan Mullally would be fine. I think Megan Mullally could absolutely do it. I think she's the only person actually off the top of my head. That I could think would be like, yeah, no, you can take Madeline Collins. And she hasn't done a lot of feature film work. She really hasn't, which is surprising because she's fucking. She's amazing. A really good actress. Yes. I'd like to, I'd I'd like this to be her breakout yeah. feature film and like role. yeah no her her and Nick Offerman just Colonel Mustard as <laughs> Mrs White <laughs> and, and we're done no but like what I was trying to say before was like Nick Offerman is one of those one of those guys that like no matter what he's playing all I see is Ron Swanson like mm. it, it doesn't matter what he's doing <laughs> yeah I, I can <laughs> but see like, that I don't know I think it could work all right. Again, don't necessarily want this to happen. But if it was <laughs> hypothetically. if it was going to happen, you know, we expect a call from the casting agency because clearly we've given this. We've done all thought. the work for yeah, you. Yeah, we've, we've already picked this out. You're welcome. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, unfortunately, this is a mini-sode, so yeah. we have run out of time. But if you have thoughts about who you would like to see in a Clue remake, please feel free to drop us a line on any of our social media accounts. You know where they are by now. I'm not going to list them because I'm lazy and I'm tired. But They're also all linked, linkable on the website, which is myspookygayfamily.com. Myspookygayfamily.com.net.org. <laughs> uh, just dot com. Just <laughs> So that's it, kid. Kid. One kid. The one listener. Only one of you. It just to you out there in, in North Dakota. Only Julie. <laughs> and then there's Maud. Yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed this little mini so Please let us know what you thought uh, in on social media. And we will see you next time. So until next time, stay spoopy and remember. Yes, I did it. I killed Yvette. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it flamed, flames, flames on the side of my face, breathing, breath, heaving breath. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from Clue, distributed by Paramount Pictures, 1985. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions.